You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, we dare you to find any instruments in these tracks. Welcome to this week's episode of Polyphony. We are talking today uh, about top, uh, about festivals and competitions in this distanced era, and we are so thrilled to have a really incredible panel with us. We have Amelia Alder, who is the Director of Vocal Australia, which is dedicated to serving the acapella community of Australia. We have Amanda Newman, the Executive Director of Varsity Vocals, the home of the real-life Pitch Perfect since 1995. We also have with us Molly Banja and Salima Ahmed, who are the Directors of All-American Awaz, that the contest, which is produced by the Association of South Asian Acapella, where the top-ranked South Asian fusion acapella groups compete for the title of national champions. And last but not least, we have Suba Shakaran and Dylan Bell, who are the artistic artistic directors of Sing Toronto, the Toronto Vocal Arts Festival, Canada's premier acapella festival. So welcome to all of our guests and take it away, Aaron. Thanks, Rachel, and welcome to the panel. Amanda, I'd love to start with you and take us back through sort of all of the onset of this and as it started out as kind of being a distant concern on the horizon into all the way through the chronology of deciding you had to make some hard decisions about this last season. Take us through the evolution of that for you. It was a very odd waking nightmare. <laughs> we had, um, you know, we have people all over the country that participate in our events and you know different people were hearing different things at different points so it's about mid-february i started getting email parents saying have you heard about this thing what's your plan you know and at the time there you know all we could really do is say like well we're gonna just see you know we, it's the same action that we take when there's inevitably blizzards every weekend for all of our shows um so so we just say well we have to wait and see what the situation is like on the day of because unfortunately with a lot of this there's no rescheduling it they're feeding into another event um it's really hard to book an event that's an appropriate size we have all these ticket holders so we really do our best to make sure the show can happen you know if there's any way possible um and it it just kind of wrapped up and wrapped up i mean we we sort of there there was a weekend um white plains is outside of new york and it really hit strong there um if we can all remember back to early march um and of course we had an event there so we were trying to move it and we successfully moved a show on Tuesday that was supposed to be on Saturday. We found a new venue because the venue shut down, wouldn't open, it was at a school. Um, but then of course the very next day, um, the venue, that venue itself shut down because everything in the, in White Plains shut down. So it was just, it was, it was really just like around the clock panicking and scrambling and trying to figure out what we could do while also juggling, you know, the emails that we were getting from people in both directions saying, please don't cancel. We've worked all year on this. We want to go there. We want to be there. And then from, you know, because people at that point didn't really know what this was. And then from people saying, you know, how, I mean, I I, can't, I shouldn't even repeat it, but just some very, very nasty emails um, <laughs> saying that I'm threatening their children's lives, you know, because we're, we're trying to do our best. But ultimately what happened was we, um, we really called it um, shortly. It was between the announcement that Broadway was shutting down and the NCAA. Um, and, you know, it, it was, it was tough because we were alone making these decisions. And I'm sure my fellow 
festival creators here can can agree with that. You know, people forget that like Broadway has its own advisor from the CDC telling them what they should do. You know, I'm just sitting in my living room in a Chicago suburb, like dealing with nasty emails. So it's like we're we're just trying to do our best to ensure, you know, every, of course we want everyone to be safe, but we we're we were trying to you know figure out any way possible we can make it go because you know at that point none of us knew what it, it was. We're you know it's like. It's a snowmageddon every weekend, so it's hard to know what's alarmist and what's what's real. So my long-winded answer was, <laughs> it was a nightmare. <laughs> it was just, it was day to day, and then I had like, you know, a lot of there was a lot of crying and there was a lot of of, mm. of sadness about it because you know ultimately, when we had to pull the plug even on finals in April, you know, I, I think we had to realize. I'm sorry, I'm talking so much. Um, but I think we had to realize before a lot of the country or, or the world, really, well, definitely the United States, um, <laughs> we had to realize sooner than some that, you know, these cancellations and um, quarantines and shutdowns were were not for the short term. You know, if stuff was going to get shut down in the fall or in the spring, then it was going to be shut down in the fall. And that means students wouldn't be going back in the fall, which means not only do we not have a 2020 season, but we don't have a 2021 season. So um, that was really devastating in a way that I think a lot of people are just now starting to appreciate, but um, I'm sort of already over it. <laughs> so I'm so I, I didn't mean to speak so long, and and I, I'd love to hear what everyone else's experiences were. I, you know, mi- misery loves company, I guess. But it was so sad. It was so sad. Well, and Salima and Molly, your cycle of your competition is a little bit different than the varsity vocals competitions, but it was affected in a lot of the same ways. I would expect. How was that evolution sort of happening for you around that same time frame? Yeah, I think, um, and Malls, please add on, but um, yeah, of course. It's funny, like Amanda, hearing what you're saying because, you know, I'm just thinking back to that time in March where we were on the same <laughs> boat and we were like, yeah, I have no clue what to believe. I have no clue like how to move forward. We're just like, like three Two directors girls, right. of this competition, right. like wondering what to do. Um, and so for our, our competition season's a little bit different. Um, we don't have like regional competitions. We do have something called big competitions where, you know, um, I mean, it's, it's a similar idea where teams and we call them teams, um, do kind of, uh, follow a bid point system that we've created and, and everything. And, um, we have only seven of them. And so I think the point at which we were like, oh goodness, uh, this might be a problem for us is uh, when our last big competition of the season, um, Avaze in Texas, they were kind of, um, they were kind of thinking like, oh, like this could be a problem. This could really be something that is um, going to take us down that year. So uh, it, it, it kind of scared us then. And then later on, as we kept going, we kept, kind of kept an eye on it, um, you know, and then eventually we were about to have our competition in San Diego. And so we were looking at, you know, the health ordinances in San Diego and all these things. And then we were like, okay, we, we need to call it. And it was definitely with heavy hearts. I mean, we were, our board worked really hard to plan it. You know, yeah. we're, we're a bunch of <laughs> alumni of our circuit and, you know, we hold this event really close to us. Um, it's, it's definitely on a smaller scale, but it means so much. So um, it was definitely... Yeah hard and to add that uh, add to that um you know when we were really debating what to do we also looked to our um our other south asian competition directors 
um, and asked them for their advice, what their plans were. Um, so we were able to sort of build this like little community um, of consensus on you know how to move forward um, within the South Asian arts as well, and that was nice. And it was it was hard to pull the plug for sure, but it was good knowing that you know our our fellow partners in the arts world were also thinking and doing the same that we were all sort of really supporting each other in this time. And are you able to continue those conversations, start to leverage that community that you've built around the the festival and the competition environment to start thinking about next year? I mean, you know, we're starting to move into the following season and it's probably not too soon to start having those conversations and thinking about what decisions need to be made for the year coming up. Where are you around that? Yeah, we've definitely started to plan for what this upcoming year is going to look like. Um, and we've al- we've already had a conversation with, you know, the heads of our teams in our circuit. Um, and we're looking to have a conversation with the bid comp directors as well about what their plans are. But it's so hard moving forward, knowing that so many schools are going to be online and uh, you know, nobody's going to be in person. That makes practices hard. That makes, you know, traveling hard. Um, and so right now we have called off our fall competitions and we're just kind of hoping that things, you know, look up for the spring. But we're also very much planning for, you know, a virtual year. Yeah. And oh, I'm sorry. No, I just wanted to add that um, it definitely adds a greater sense of challenge and creativity to this year, especially if we are doing, you know, virtual things. Um, and so it's it's going to be a challenge, but we are hoping to we kind of have the support of the, you know, the team captains, which has been really awesome. I mean, they've been like, yeah, like we get it and we understand. And so that's been really nice in kind of all of this mess. <laughs> Amanda, how about for you? What are the considerations and things you're thinking about as you're looking ahead to next season? It's, you know, as we talk about this, we're in August. It's right around the corner. And obviously preparations ordinarily would have been going on for quite some time up to this point. What's your thinking at this point around what 2020, 2021 looks like? Well, I mean, it's been really it's been really tough because I think uh, sorry, I'm outside. And of course, (laughs) there's dogs outside, (laughs) but I was trying to hide from my children inside. Um, So um, I think it's been really tough because, you know, uh, like Molly was saying, um, you know, schools won't be in session. So students can't it's not it's not just a matter of taking a show that was live and making it virtual you know, because that's one thing. And there's so many complications with live streaming a live event with getting the audio component, right? It is so different. And I I see my fellow festival and competition creators nodding and smiling here, (laughs) because it's, it's, it's so hard. And we get asked to do it all the time. But the audio from it is is really difficult to capture correctly and have it be worth someone's time to even listen, let alone pay for. So if we're if, if that's something you're going to invest in, it's 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 a challenge. But, uh, you know, on top of that, we, we you can't even get the students there together and the students can't even exist as groups because getting together in a small room to sing. I mean, singing is uh, sort of shut down for the year. It's a super spreader, you know, situation. So, uh, you know, that that's been a real a real challenge as well because we we want to try to provide an opportunity for students to do something this year, but um, you know, it, you're you're looking no longer at having anything live or streamed from a live set setting. You're moving into recorded a cappella. And so, 
it's a different ball game. I mean, you're looking at people being able to use, um, you know, technology to make their performance better. Um, you're looking at licensing implications for putting up um, you know, because it's all cover music. There's there's a ton of you know, and and that is even changing by as the weeks go by. I mean, uh, YouTube is changing its licensing agreements. I think it just changed something this past week. So so you know, being able to present this material, um, you know, and we're talking about for my competition, it's 600 groups. You know, if they were doing their traditional sets, that's you know, I mean, how many. <laughs> artists and songs to get sync licenses for it's just, it's completely out of the question um so and, and but in order to get that out there and, and is there value you know we're asking ourselves is there value to getting students to do something that can be evaluated virtually if they can't even if they can't have the experience of watching it all together in one place the way that you could watch a live stream of a, of a show um because you don't really get that same experience so uh, you know we're we're um we're, we're making i meant to make an announcement earlier this week i was telling rachel um uh, you know from your show this and and earlier this week we had it all set up and then something changed and so now we're sort of still finagling it so I, it's it's very difficult and I'm, I'm sure everyone else here is in the same situation well and i mean as we look ahead i don't want to be debbie downer or anything like that but oh I, debbie downer it this is this is we are all <laughs> debbie down i am in full debbie downer mode i mean we're, we're all in we always want to try to provide something but like this sucks let's not be Let's not like, you know, find another, uh, I, I don't know. Let's not, whatever they're saying is split hairs about it. Someone help me out. But it, it, like, yeah. Sugarcoat? Really, yes. Let's not try to sugarcoat it. Uh, that's a prettier way of saying it than whatever I had in my mind. <laughs> but, um, but it's just, it's, it's terrible. I mean, and, and it's a time when we all really want music and would love to go not only just like be in the same room as each other, but like have music, but you know, the nature of, uh, of, technology and licensing is you know it just it changes what we what we're as live um event producers what we do so it's it's it really sucks and it it could last for longer and i'm i'm really trying not to think about it lasting longer than another school year but um if it does look like you know heaven forfend that this should go on for a longer period of time are there things that you can do with a different time horizon, with more time to plan for, you know, a 2021, 2022 time frame or beyond that would allow you to salvage some elements of the experience, do you think? To plan in advance? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I Not that I've, I haven't really thought about that. <clears throat> I, um, I mean, really, the limitations for us are the, the groups can't get together physically and the, cre- the creation of content, you know, the legal surrounding that in both, um, you know, creating it and presenting it. So, um, you know, I'm not a lawyer and I don't want to give legal advice to anyone here, (laughs) but there's a lot, (laughs) there's a lot. And there's, you know, uh, depending on the size of your program, you, you may or may not be targeted for it, but I certainly, you know, being involved in this for, you know, going on 20 years, which is bizarre because I'm only turning 29 this year. Um, (laughs) it's just like, I don't, I I really take personally, you know, the situations we're putting groups in, you know, I, we don't want to be asking groups to be doing anything that, um, could get them in trouble or could get their, their stuff taken down, you know, and we're, we're musicians and artists too. So we want to be respectful. So, you know, of the laws. So it's, it's really, it's really problematic. And there's no, until someone comes in and says like, 
oh, you can get a sync license the same way that you can get, um, you know, a, a compulsory recording license for, you know, nine cents a song per view, it, you know, that that hasn't happened yet. But I don't know any congressmen. If any congressmen are listening to this, I would really <laughs> love to get this through. I'm married to an intellectual property lawyer who keeps me on my toes about all these things. But, you know, he can't change the law. He can just tell me what I can't do, which is frankly not great for our marriage. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, no usually your lawyer tells you what not to do and you're just like frown about it. But when you're married to them, you're just like... Shut up. <laughs> Molly and Salima, for you, because you seem to be in very close connection with the universe of teams that you're working with, and it's a slightly smaller group than for Amanda and for Varsity Vocals, does that help in terms of looking ahead and planning and contingency planning about options in the future? I think the beauty of just like having, I mean, we have only about like, what was it, 70? 70, yeah, total teams. Mm-hmm. And so exactly what you were saying, Erin, the nice thing about that is that like we really do have direct communication with them. And so in that conversation that we had with them recently um, over uh, a, a nice uh, big old family Zoom, um, we <laughs> were talking about just like the different the different ways that our our season could go. And so um, they were very receptive of just like virtual putting out content Um you know, very receptive to most of our ideas um, because they just understood what it was going to be like. It, I mean, it's a bummer for everybody, um, but I think that they really, really were supportive. Um, so I think that that kind of leads to some flexibility on our end um, in terms of what we can do and and what they would appreciate. And um, I, I mean, what we heard from that meeting was great. I mean, all they want to do is make music, just like what Amanda was saying. They want to make music. They want to create content. Um, and so we are looking for ways that we can support that. And whether that is, you know, um, so closely to the traditional competition that we've, we're used to running, or if that's by other means, then, you know, they are, they're certainly amenable to that, which was really comforting. As you start to look ahead to next season and what it might look like and how you know, different teams may put their their artistry together. Is there a role for you and your team around facilitating that and helping others kind of identify the best ways to go about doing that? Yeah, that was something we had uh, that was brought up in this discussion that we had. Um, and, you know, fortunately, we had some teams that were already sort of working on the logistics of, you know, how to practice over Zoom and how to you know, meet up virtually and how to still like sharpen their artistry and uh, continue making music. Um, so they, it was like a really nice moment of sharing information and sharing lessons learned um, within our community. And I was, I was really shocked and surprised that, you know, these, these teams were even thinking about this over the summer that, you know, they were, they were really thoughtfully trying to make sure that they were able to continue what they're doing. Assuming that there is a way for teams to execute on that and, and stay together and continue to, to create music together. Uh, you've, you said earlier that you've moved things out of the fall, right? Yeah. So what does that mean for kind of the way you're thinking about early 2021 and moving forward from there? Are there plans underway? Yeah. Do you have a sense about what the timeline is around deciding on that? Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, 
right now we're hoping that our bid competitions, um, you know, formulate some sort of plan A, B, C to dealing with uh, this pandemic. Um, and of course, a part of our responsibility in overseeing them is making sure that they have the resources to execute any such plans. Um, and so that means, you know, who do we need to get in contact with in terms of, you know, sound engineers or, you know, uh, content creators? Um, what sort of resources do we need to put out to the general circuit in terms of how to record on on an iPhone, how to record on, you know, any sort of device, how to put together some of these virtual online creations that so many so many acapella groups have been putting out um, in this in this time. You talked about your role in part being to make sure that these groups have the capabilities and the resources and the the things that they need in order to create this content. Is there a role also about making sure that the teams do that in a way that's healthy and safe and sort of consistent with all the things we know about the virus? Is that part of what you're about or 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 not? It was, where does that where does that come down? No, I mean, uh, like Molly was saying, we're very looking we're very much looking forward to sharing a lot of virtual resources for these groups and these teams. And, um, you know, we're, I don't think we by any means have made it seem like we are encouraging them to get actually get together in person. In fact, I think that a lot of what we discussed um, on our meeting together was more so how can we make this happen remotely? Because, I mean, I think, I, I don't think it would be very uh, responsible of us to, to, you know, even have any guidelines like that when we are really, you know, we're not experts on this at all. Um, so we're not medical ex- experts. We're not public. Well, Molly is in public health, but yeah, but, you know, I, so we are just trying yeah. our best to do what we, what we yeah. think is responsible and really are looking forward to uh, kind of giving out resources during that fall semester so that, you know, if we do have the competition in some format in the, by the spring, you know, groups will be ready for that virtual competition or showcase or, you know, they'll be able to use the skills that they will have, um, you know, acquired from the fall time. So... Amanda, you had mentioned earlier that you were very close to figuring out and releasing what you were planning on doing for the season coming up, but a few life-related things got in the way, logistical things. I wonder, as you come back to conceivably releasing that very, very soon now, uh, what the considerations are, what you're thinking about, what the general outlines of things might be in the spring, for example. Uh, well, yeah, you're right. We're and we're planning. A, I really wanted to do it before so I could talk to you about more specifics <laughs> but um I, but everything blew up the other day um we're we're planning on making our announcement tomorrow but don't hold me to that the night is young um and and uh, you know to tell groups what the opportunity that we can provide this year will be um we're not planning on anything happening in the spring uh, my my just i don't know I'm not a public health expert for sure, but I, I don't think <laughs> I don't think groups are going to be back in the spring. And also just if they're, you know, if they're home in the fall, like groups for, for our tournament anyway, it starts really in earnest in January. 
So they, that requires them to be practicing together in the fall. So we're sort of going full virtual this year. Um, we've, we had a lot of venues that we lost um, our bookings with, uh, but they were uh, several of them were kind enough to roll us over to 2020. Um, so, or start to 2021. So now we are talking to them about rolling over to 2022, um, which is just, you know, appalling and sad, but, um, you know, that's, that's sort of where we're at. We're sort of not planning on anything happening physically this year. Um, you know, and, and to some extent, I think it's going to be really great because I think it's, it's going to challenge us all in new ways. Um, the tricky part about it, for me is that I'm very aware of the industry that's um, that exists around our tournament, not just, um, you know, my my contractors, employees who, you know, largely volunteer, but do make enough money doing this that that they, um, you know, to to take care of their lives and their families, but also, um, you know, the sound engineers and there's, there's coaches that, you know, do stuff all year. And, you know, those are all people who are now asking, you know, what, what the year is going to look like if they can plan on, you know, coming out to run sound for, you know, six of our shows, like they usually do. And, 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 you know, the devastation, the ripple effect, I just, it's, you know, it's, it's no one's fault, but it's, it's hard to feel the responsibility of that. So, you know, while it will be great that we can put on, um, something for the students to participate in, you know, there's, there's still a twinge of sadness for me in it, that there's, um, you know, a lot of people that are, are sort of left behind in, in that, um, so we, we're going to do everything we can to make a go of it the following year, even if, you know, I think it's going to be a very long time before people are comfortable, um, you know, with sharing microphones <laughs> or um, sitting, you know, in very close proximity to each other in old theaters that seat 800 people. Um, so, so, you know, fi- from a financial standpoint, our shows are going to look a lot different for a long time. And, um, you know, this is this is my full time job, but um, and several other people work, you know, sort of full time on this at, at this point. But, um, you know, just all those other contractors and people that ha- have an involvement in here and in a stake that's larger than, um, y- you know, it's not it's not for, for, for a lot of people that are involved in this. It goes beyond just, quote unquote, just their, um, you know, college acapella experience. And, and I, and I don't say that just lightly either, because it's just devastating to be, I mean, I can't imagine being a a high school senior or, you know, starting college and wanting to get into an acapella group and having dreamed of this for so long. And then, um, you know, not having the opportunity, like their, their opportunities to participate in this are are so finite. So, you know, there's, there's Mm -hmm. some sadness all around. So what we will be able to provide will be, I think, good, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not just a, an easy replacement sort of just keeps us going. And I know we need to head to a break quickly, but Amanda, one last question for you around this opportunity that's coming. Uh, how does it relate to the open? Will it be something where they'll have an opportunity or will scholastic groups be involved too? How does that part work? It will be involved in the scholastic as well. Um, so the same opportunity we'll be providing to, you know, um, dream team type groups for the open, um, but it will all take place at the same time this year because why not? No one's doing anything. They're just sitting at home, <laughs> looking at Zoom. Like, why not try to <laughs> participate in an acapella competition that's completely virtual? I mean, what else are any of us doing, right? <laughs> 
Well, we here at Acaville do have a little something to do, which is take a short break. Uh, but we'll be back in just a few moments with uh, with the rest of our panel to talk more about festivals. Uh, up until now, we've been talking mostly with Amanda Newman, director, executive director of Varsity Vocals, and Molly Banja and Salima Ahmed, directors of All American Awaz. Please stick with us on the other side. We'll be uh, talking to Amelia Alder and to, sorry, Subha Shakran and Dylan Bell, and we'll talk more with them. Thank you so much to Amanda, Molly, and Salima. You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, the only place where drums are replaced by boots and cats. And we are back with our second half of Polyphony. In this half, we're going to be talking more about the festivals and how they are handling this social distanced era. We have again with us Amelia Alder, who is the director of Vocal Australia. And we have Suba Chakran and Dylan Bell, who are the artistic director- directors of Sing Toronto. So welcome to Amelia, Suba and Dylan. And here's Aaron. Thanks, Rachel, and thanks to all of you on the panel for joining us today. Amelia, I'd love to start with you, and maybe you could talk a little bit about the chronology of Ozaka, how it relates to Vocal Australia, and all the elements that are a part of that, and then how the impact of the coronavirus sort of started occurring to you and, and how it affected the decision-making process on, on your end of things. Okay, so our main event is Ozaka, which is the Australian Acapella Awards, which is a, a competition, but we do have festival elements to it and workshops and stuff as well. Um, but uh, coronavirus, obviously, you know, everyone about February, March, we're starting to go, something bad is happening here. Um, and we only launched our 2020 season in Feb because we're being on the other side of the world from you, we do everything like in the reverse six months from you. So you have your big events kind of happen April, the end of your school year. We have ours like September um, at the end of our school year or right before all of our older kids go into exam mode. Um, So Mm. normally the groups have until about May to apply, um, but we try and get a lot of them to apply in March. Um, We had Deke Sharon, who was supposed to be coming this year to be our guest presenter and one of our guest judges and workshops and all of those sorts of things. So Deke and I had been in chats lots during February, just going, I don't... I don't think this is going to happen. Like, I think we're going to have to cancel. Like, as soon as we could see, oh, no, it's it's spreading it's spreading worldwide. And so I cancelled uh, pretty early, mid-March, um, for a September event, which kind of was before a lot of other groups who had April and May events overseas were cancelling. We cancelled because it's like, like, it's not going to happen. We're in a pandemic. Let's there's, there's no point, like, waiting and waiting and waiting when it's clear this is going to be around for longer than a few months. Um, and even if it is around for a few months, those next six months between, you know, March and September are when the groups would need to be rehearsing. So even if Australia was amazing, which we almost were, um, then <laughs> our groups would, would have been able to be rehearsing and uh, at some point, but they would have missed half of their rehearsal time. So... Regardless, it was like, it needs to be cancelled. So we cancelled in um, mid-March um, and uh, most of the groups were pretty understanding of that. I think they were a bit shocked because we were, we were quite early in our announcement and a lot of their other events had not been cancelled at that stage. Um, and, uh, you know, all, everyone was still rehearsing. People were still at school um, because at that stage of our school year, it was all fine and our, we were, had very, very low 
um, numbers. Uh, pretty much the only numbers coming into Australia at that stage were from international flights and all those numbers were in like hotel quarantine and stuff like that. So it was not... Um, so much in the community. So we didn't have community transmission at that stage. So it was like, okay, well, you know, we might pull through this and we might be okay, but regardless, it's going to affect rehearsals. It's going to affect other things. Um, So since then, uh, uh, a number of our states are actually doing amazing. They've had zero community transmissions for ages. So the West, Western Australia, the you know one half of our country, pretty much, um, are they're all they're all fine. Um, and we've got border lockdowns between all the states. Pretty much, some states are open between others, but it keeps changing, opening and closing. Um, uh, there's a on our eastern coast, we have uh, you know three main states and a territory as well. And at, at some stages, those ones have all been open. But now our lovely state that I'm from, which is um, in from Victoria, I'm a Melbourne girl. And um, unfortunately, we had some um, hotel quarantine uh, issues where somebody um, uh, broke the rules and then got the virus and then spread it to the community. And then a whole stack of other people um, like oh. one in four people in our state were not following the rules and even though they tested positive they were still going to work so then all of a sudden our state um, got cases and all the other states mm. all the other states in Australia are amazing they're pretty low um, and you know minimal minimal community transmission if if any at all they're just mostly just hotel quarantines and uh, yeah so it's it's changed. Uh, so a lot of the states in Australia, some of them are still rehearsing. School groups uh, mm. are often rehearsing. Um, the the adult groups are not rehearsing in most states unless they've had more than thirty days without community transmission. So there's a number of states that actually are making music, um, but it's not enough for us to be able to do anything really with it because we can't travel to them. No venues are open. So like people mm. are rehearsing, but yeah, there's, yeah, it's, it's kind of catered, but we're in a, a different situation from you guys, I think, because uh, your community transmissions are insane. Um, and yeah, so where our, our particular state has just gone into an even more extreme lockdown to try and stop that problem with the one in four people who were being dodgy and selfish. And uh, so now we're in quite a strict quarantine, which, uh, sorry, a strict lockdown, which is kind of what other places around the world, I don't know if America's doing it, but we've got curfews at night time and um, they've limited even which businesses are allowed to function at the moment to try and reduce people moving around. Um, but hopefully, because we're, we kept our numbers um, under 700 new cases a day, we've kept it at that and it's now going down, that we're, the plan is that we'll get back down to you know minimal or zero and then we'll be able to start doing things again, kind of like New Zealand, mm-hmm. who are able to mm-hmm. rehearse and function as a society. Dylan and Juba, for you, the chronology of the festival may have helped a little bit. You, As Amelia was talking about being sort of inverted, uh, the coronavirus was a, a little more known as you were ramping up the festival this year. Did that help at all? 
Yeah, a little bit. It was sort of ramping up into what would have been our festival in May. Um, and so things started locking down here in Toronto, I, I think in early March. And uh, Dylan and I were actually in Brazil uh, on tour and had to hurry home before the borders closed. So that, that that's a whole other story. Um, but uh, we decided to uh, postpone the festival to the fall. And so now we have plans to do a completely virtual festival uh, online at the end of September into early October. So September 29th through to October 4th. And that was an evolving decision as well. So it started with pandemic hits and everything goes crazy mid-March. So we decided we can't do a May festival. The first thing our, our team did was start looking at September to, f- to lock down venues that we could use because back in March, we were all sort of of the idea, well, you know, we might be th- mostly through this by the fall. And that sort of got whittled down to, well, maybe we'll have the venues, but we'll do audience-less concerts where we videotape them and live stream them. Mm. And that became, we're going to go 100% virtual and we'll do a combination of new programming that is being sort of uh, videoed in chunks and then being assembled later, plus some archival concerts. We've been running, this is our ninth year. So we've got a lot of concerts um, that we can sort of include as part of our programming. One of the things that Sing Toronto is known for is bringing together so many different styles of music and genres of music under the vocal arts banner. And I wonder if that diversity helps in that some styles might be easier to migrate into a virtual format than others. Is there a, a distinction there in some way? Oh, that's interesting. I've, I've mm. never thought about the correlation between the various styles and genres um, and moving to a virtual festival. That's true. A lot of the contemporary acapella, you see the heads in boxes, like split screen videos and uh, um you know, that, that seems to be working well with a lot of the contemporary groups that come in. Larger groups, of course, unfortunately, they end up suffering a little bit more in this scenario because they just they can't get together, they can't rehearse, uh, as everyone has said on these panels. Um, the smaller jazz groups, uh, the smaller barbershop quartets and things like that, they seem to do quite well. Um, we have uh, solo and duo, duo live looping acts uh, as part yeah. of our thing, so of course they can work. And actually just saw an email come in during the show that um, we have somebody who has a couple of family acapella groups uh, of music from the Republic of Georgia. And so there's a pot, so they are still capable of performing, although they would what they would likely do is either perform outdoors, but more likely videotape themselves. So, yeah, because not everything is 16 to 24 collegiate singers trying to do choreo together, we do have a lot of other styles of music that are still feasible, I guess. Yes, I think so. Are there some advantages in some ways to moving to the virtual festival? You know, the expense of having to fly people in or provide accommodations and all those sorts of things seem like that's no longer an issue. Does it open up additional opportunities to have and showcase artists that you may not otherwise be able to do? Exactly right. So normally, uh, you know, our budgets have kind of gone upside down a little bit because normally things like flights and accommodations that's uh, that's a moot point now um, and so we're, we're trying to get those international artists to be part of our workshop series uh, because that would be the most interactive way that we can come across virtually um, rather than concert a concert setting 
And uh, so, yeah, that's really helped us kind of reimagine the festival and get a little bit creative and a bit innovative as well, I would say. We've had to sort of treat it as a paradigm shift. So rather than either saying, what can't we do? Or how do we emulate what we would have done, which is the way some of the thinking goes, it's it's a different world, what can we do now? And that's where you can bring in a workshop leader from Sweden that you may not have planned on bringing in. So yeah, it does, It we're, we're trying to see, we're trying to find opportunity in crisis, I suppose. And the other side of that, of course, is being in a multicultural society and city like Toronto, like which is basically a cultural mosaic in and of itself, it means that we have a lot of these international treasures, so to speak, in our own backyard. So that can work in our favor, like this this family who yeah. uh, who comes from the Republic of Georgia. They're actually they live in Toronto. They sing the music of yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> sing the music of Georgia, but they live in Toronto. As we think about the different components that a lot of festivals have in common, you know, there's sort of the the workshop education area. There's the performance, sometimes competition area, and then there's also the the social component too, which seems sometimes hard to get in this new world order we're in right now. Amelia, I wonder how you're addressing some of these different components of what a festival would ordinarily bring together. Well, the thing that we've launched recently is that we're um, doing a recording projects. But uh, what's interesting for Australia is not many of our college groups or and definitely like none of our high school groups, um, they're not uh, really making singles or albums or anything it just hasn't hasn't really happened yet there's some that have started recording um our industry is a little bit like behind you guys uh like our we've only our company's only existed for 10 years and when we started there weren't really many contemporary acapella groups in australia i could probably count them all on one hand in the entire country um and so like groups have just been building their skill up but they hadn't really got to that stage or that financial point where they were recording and we'd previously put out um, collaboration albums. We'd done two of them. Our last one was back five years ago though. And um, before our Osaka event started getting big and I've been spending all my time and energy on building the the live event. But this year, because it was our 10th anniversary, we decided, great, let's do another collab album um, and get groups to start recording, um, which was gonna be the plan anyway. And then now because of coronavirus, we're just spending way more time uh, making that happen because a lot of groups are now like starting to work out how to record themselves because they wanted to put out a virtual choir video and so people in their groups are going oh I'm gonna learn how to edit I'm gonna learn how to do this and so their skills are still a work in progress but we've also offered um, to enhance like if they'd like to up, up their skill set or up their their quality of their product then we can help them with parts of that project we obviously can't help them with tracking because they kind of got to do that themselves because we're not coming into their houses or wherever um, but you know if they want us to help with editing or mixing then that's something that we've got people in our team that you know normally work in our um, sound engineering side of our live shows uh, who absolutely have the skills such as well actually he's an American and we stole him from you guys but Richard Steigner um, is now one of ours. Mm-hmm. Sorry, we he's ours. Um, so he's he, <laughs> you're not sorry, giving him back. Sorry, yeah, no, really, we're not. We're like doing everything we can to keep him. Um, but he's one of our our leaders in our production team and in helping to try and get groups um, involved. And some of those groups obviously are, are on their process, uh, on their way to making tracks. And others, it's like oh. Oh, this is a good idea like maybe that's something that we can be part of and that way we can all support each other because we try to create a very 
supportive environment uh, even amongst our competitors uh, because we see that there's quite a fair bit of um, rivalry is the probably the best way to say that without swearing in America uh, in particular between competitive groups and we've always tried to initiate that we're a small community in Australia we really need to support each other we need to celebrate each other's successes even if that group beats you in the final it's not about that because next year you could move cities and you could be singing with that group which has happened quite a number of groups have moved cities and joined other groups so um, we just want to find a way with this album for them to still be able to celebrate um, what they're all achieving and and also to gain gain a new skill set like we think this is something they should be learning how to do anyway so let's let's make it happen um and with that as well we've uh, got one track that's going to be a collaborative track but we're doing it rich is going to write an original song so the singers who choose to participate will get to have a few zooms with richard and he's going to talk about his um, writing process and bounce some ideas off them and then he's going to go away write the song for the group and then they'll all go and track themselves um so that we have an actual collaborative track that uh, an original one as well that's going to happen as part of that process so that's that's how we're sort of going we we do want to sort of find ways to go around the workshop stuff too there's a lot of other organizations that are running so many free workshops at the moment and uh my my headspace is uh like if i'm going to spend time doing that then i need to have some kind of financial uh incentive coming back because you know as we know everything's everything's tough at the moment if you're a musician so if there's other people running free workshops then it's like do i need to run this exact same product when it's out there three thousand times over so what can we do that that is unique for our community and and this album i think is our our main focus and because we can make more than one volume and we can do another volume next year and we can help them with their skills in the meantime and get them better at this um and in the meantime they're still practicing they're still arranging they're still doing all those other things but they're just doing it individually if if their state permits they might be doing it together so <laughs> well and it seems like it's giving an opportunity to set a new tradition perhaps something you want to do more often obviously you've done those collab albums in the past but it's been a while and maybe this sets it into a new trajectory of some sort yeah like i would love it to be a yearly thing and it's just always been a time time issue because ozaka was in its early days and I just needed to throw every minute of my spare time into trying to build that momentum and get it bigger and bigger while while the the energy was there and while the interest uh, you know was there and everyone was like what's this new thing um but now that that there's a love for that people like are obsessed with it then I know okay if I just and I've refined my process of working so that I don't have to spend hundreds of hours on certain things I've got to streamline process for the live events I can actually in future years be able to dedicate an amount of time for this as well so Suba and Dylan I wonder about that that social element of a festival experience it's it seems like it's the most elusive thing to try to bring to this virtual environment are there ways or thoughts that you're having about how to infuse that into what you're doing right now and what you have planned for the festival? Um, we have an event that we we did previously, uh, which is a mass choir event, where we basically get the community together. We have a workshop leader who sends them the music ahead of time, and that culminates into a concert. And uh, it was very successful. We had, I think, 125 people on stage 
Um, and of course, you know, that just scares people nowadays. But uh, we're planning on doing um, sort of a, a virtual Insta choir, uh, as it's being called, this year. So that's going to happen virtually. That'll be one way. Um, We've also had these sort of live karaoke events with a group that uh, that Dylan and I sing with. Uh, it's an 80s acapella group called Retrocity. And so uh, last year we did our retro OK um, at a bar where we would basically extract the soloist from the group and bring in somebody from the audience to sing that particular 80s classic hit. And it was a hoot. It was completely off the hook, really high energy. Um, this year we can't do that, obviously, but uh, we thought it might be interesting to have a moment in some of these virtual concerts where we actually print out the lyrics so that it becomes a bit of a follow the bouncing ball, um, sing a sing-along aspect. And so I think that's one of the best ways, that and, and telling stories to the audience so they feel like they're really invested in what's going on. We also have, we are able to do one actual live live show, a live stream show, and that of course is, is Sue and I. We have our own live looping duo we've been doing um what we call free play fridays at four which is our weekly live stream concert every week and what we're going to do is uh we're going to take a hiatus from that just before the festival we're going to do one of our live shows in the festival what we've been finding is an interesting side note to how that works is rather than just being a live concert we're finding that people are having side conversations during the performance which is really wonderful so we had uh, one of our first performances we had one person from Winnipeg and another guy from Germany who happened to have the same last name and while we're singing they're having the side like your name's this your name's this where are your people from all oh, my people are from here <laughs> we're even watching friendships develop online of people talking about the music and saying, oh, you like this one? I like that one too. Hey, we should talk after this is done. <laughs> are you crying after this ballad? Because I am. Yeah. <laughs> so so it's, it's, these are the things that you, you wouldn't necessarily have this level of fellowship in the middle of a show. You have it before, you have people talking afterwards, mm. but rarely do you have something simultaneously. So I'm finding that the live performances are offering people this opportunity for community. And when we do broadcast um, our non-live shows, they'll still be sort of formatted in kind of a Facebook Live um YouTube premiere situation and all those have live chats running. And so it's, it has been this interesting byproduct of watching people still having the group experience of watching something together and they can talk out loud, which they can't do in a concert. <laughs> so normally if you had these people saying, you're from Germany, I'm from Winnipeg. What about you? What about you? Normally you'd, that would drive you crazy as a performer, but now you get to watch it and be quite delighted that these people are, are connecting uh, uh, in parallel with the actual music. That's really great. Are, are there specific tools or strategies or techniques that that you can share with people who might want to try to infuse that community feel into other things that they're doing as well, things that you found that seem to work really well? Um, well, as I said, we, we do the, the sort of sing-along thing, which which certainly uh, certainly encourages people to just get up and sing or dance or whatever it is that they feel like doing in their own living rooms as they're watching and listening. Um, we've also put out requests, and so we've said, what do you want to hear? Um, because we'll, we'll have a think about it and make a little arrangement of it and package it back to you. And that's been really uh, appealing to the audiences as well, because, again, they have kind of a personal stake in it or a personal investment just in the, the fact that it came out of their minds. Hey, I think this would make a good two voice acapella song, that sort of thing. 
And in the live situations, we've been able to, because it is live, we can actually interact with people while they're commenting. So we'll say, oh, we see that so-and-so is here from the UK. And we'll often say something in our in our program and they will end up responding on the chat or they'll be commenting about something that we said. So it ends up being something of a conversation, which works well, at least uh, during anything that, that can be live streamed from a small group. So it ends up becoming a very small salon or house concert type of situation. We also have a lot of um, a lot of acapella artists who listen to the show, which is really, uh, mm. it's an honor for us. So, you know, folks from the Swingles or the New York Voices or what have you. Manhattan and, Transfer. Uh, Manhattan Transfer. And so we'll mm. say to them, hey, if you guys have gigs going on, we're treating this like, like a family festival in the moment. Put in your links, let everybody know, let's just make this acapella family bigger and better. Amelia, I know being in Australia, you are always in the future uh, from where we are in the United States and in Canada. I wonder if that has translated to thinking about the future. What about as you start to look ahead towards 2021? Your cycle allows you a little more time, I suppose, for thinking about that. But have you started to consider what next year might look like for you? Look, I, I, in my head, and for any um, Vocal Australia Ozaka people listening, there's a good chance that 2021 is not going to be happening how you expect, even though our event would be like normally a September-based event. Um, we're all assuming that by by March next year, it's still going to be dodge. Um, even if some vaccines might arrive at the earliest by then, it's, mm. it's, it's unpredictable how, how long it will take for that to really eventuate and to make it to everybody worldwide or whatever. Um, but who knows, like with Australia, there's, there's chance that we can get back down to really low numbers and, and be like New Zealand. Um, and hopefully like the government has made way more um, expensive fines for people who are selfish. Um, so hopefully that might improve our statistic and get us get us down and if we get down to you know low numbers then we we can be at least rehearsing together they might not be able to be doing concerts but then maybe we can be live streaming things or or whatever but i i i'm just not looking too far ahead um and just going well what can i do for now and then when our numbers get down what can we do then but we've, we've also seen like we got down to zero cases and uh, then three weeks later, we'll, we'll back in, in with high numbers and going into lockdown. So even when it gets down to zero, it's got to be sustained before you can even consider anything anyway. So, uh, you know, I, I am really hoping for that vaccine. Um, but, you know, in the meantime, not, not planning for live events uh, and, and potentially, like we did have a stage where um, you were allowed like five other people in your house. Um, and some of the small groups were starting to rehearse together at that stage, mm-hmm. although I don't encourage that because you were in smaller spaces and aerosols and all of those things. And, you know, once again, I'm not a medical person and I am not a public health and I'm not a lawyer, but I personally wouldn't have made those choices, even though you were allowed however many people in your house. Um, and I did comment on many of those people's posts going, is this the right choice? Um, <laughs> uh, and so I wouldn't be encouraging that, but if we're at the stage where we've made it 30 days without community transmissions and we're allowed to 
stand in a big gigantic hall and be spread out five meters apart or whatever it is then um or whatever you guys say however many feet um then (laughs) i don't know whatever your maths is um then you know yeah (laughs) then then hopefully we can maybe do those live streams of some of some of those smaller groups in particular but um yeah I'm, i'm not i'm not planning for a live um normal nothing's normal anymore i'm not planning for a live normal ozaka event or any other kind of things like that but hopefully we can maybe you know look at whatever other options are are out there like the live streaming or those kind of things but yeah i don't know (laughs) and looking at sing toronto are you starting to think about next year at this point you're still in the throes of the current (laughs) festival season of course or is it just sort of one day at a time at this point uh, it's it's the one day at a time we just had our board meeting a couple of days ago where we've where we've actually for for the first time broached the subject of what, what about next year and it's the, actually the first time we had done that. I think we had been sort of assuming or hoping that things would be ready by next May. Now we're saying we could do what we did this year, which is kick the ball down the field a little bit to September. But then what about then? You know, do we decide earlier on to go virtual? We're very conscious of the fact that as um, sort of leaders in the acapella field, as we are all, all, all are as presenters, that we have a duty to message clearly and to, mm. in, in our opinion, stay at or better yet behind the curve mm-hmm. in terms of what we're suggesting people do. So we don't want to project an image of people singing together when it might be safe or even mm. if it looks safe today, because what we found is what we know today turns out to be different tomorrow. Yeah, so we basically have a plan A of if things go back to normal or a plan B if we do what we're doing this year with our virtual maiden voyage. Yeah, I just wanted to add that, you know, I I definitely don't want to as as you know, the the leader of this organization, I don't want to be encouraging anything that could potentially be risky and, you know, that's that's something that you guys have all been saying as well. It's it's not about like or does the law say that we're allowed to do this now? But but is it safe? And yeah. and Just sure, because like we can life, doesn't mean we should. Yeah, and and you know I had this debate with another choir director last night. It's like life always has risks, is what he was saying. And you know uh, we had risks beforehand. There was flus beforehand, and we we chose to take certain risks, and knowing that people could still get sick. And you know it's like yeah, but do you want to be personally responsible for running an event or encouraging other singers in your community to run a concert or even film a live stream in an, in an environment that's not appropriate? Um, because how would you feel if that didn't end up turning out well? So Mm -hmm. I'm especially seeing the Sydney based groups at the moment, um, who, are starting to have a few low transmissions of cases and they're not thoroughly locking down as much and i've seen you know people who run festivals and things in in that area going well when do you think we can do this and why aren't people advocating for more performances it's like because we don't we don't know what's next you might think that you're all healthy and safe and your transmissions are low enough but two weeks later you find out actually there's 500 cases which and you know you just don't know and and i don't want to be part of that um, environment of encouraging anything because it looks safe now and kind of where we're, we're following the rules but no just just don't just wait just chill let's do something else instead like let's let's find a totally different way to work and then when we all know that it actually is safe 
we can do normal. But for now, let's just chill. Yeah, I think absolutely. we have to take the long view on this. We have to recognize that this has been an absolute torturous several months. Not years, not decades, but months. And even if this is years in the span of 5, 10, 20 years in the span of a historical epoch, this is not as big as it feels right now. And I think we have to be willing to take the long view and say it might take a year, it might take two years. And be willing to accept that and recognize again that, you know, it's, we don't talk about normal anymore. We talk about what's next. Yes. Yeah. Well, with as distanced as we are, we are so grateful to feel close to you in this conversation. And thank you so much to Amelia Alder from uh, the director of Vocal Australia, Suba Shakaran and Dylan Bell, who are the artistic directors of Sing Toronto, for spending some time with us this evening. Also, thank you again to Amanda Newman, Molly Banja, and Salima Ahmed, who had joined us for the first half. And stay tuned for next week where our topic will be on semi-pro and pro survival in this distanced era. We're going to be having Sean Garrity from Edge Effect, Mark Medjibo from Face, and Annette Phillip from Women of the World. So stay tuned, and thank you so much for joining us this week on Polyphony. You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, your base for the lowdown on acapella. Ba-da-ba-ba-da-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba